As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Angela Foster. With over two decades of executive experience in the fashion and beauty industry, Angela Foster specializes in empowering high-achieving petite women to exude confidence by curating a wardrobe tailored to their unique needs. Angela's clients consistently show up self-assured, whether it's doing keynote presentations, high-stakes board meetings, or daily life, all thanks to a meticulous curated wardrobe that works with their short girl status and accentuates their body shape and reflects their personal style. Angela's expertise has been featured in Real Simple and Best Life inside of leadership coaching programs and on podcasts including Wingnut Social and Liz on Biz. Whether it's through DIY or personalized style coaching, Angela makes sure her clients never again find themselves paralyzed by the dreaded, I have nothing to wear dilemma. Okay, so you might be listening to that intro and say, what does this have to do with growing teams and building teams and having successful teams? Yes, Angela is a style coach, and we are taking that expertise and talking all about dress for your teams. We are talking about how to set guidelines for how your team should dress, why sometimes it's important, and how to address situations when your team members are not living up to the dress code expectations that you are setting, and how to address it when they think they're standing up to those expectations, but in reality, they're not. So we're gonna learn how to help your team dress for success so that way they match the company culture you are building and can help contribute to your overall business success while they're feeling confident in what they wear. We're also going to talk about how to show up on Zoom calls because 
what we, what looks good and what we wear when we're standing and people are seeing all of us doesn't always translate well to the video screen. And we're also talking about Zoom and video backgrounds and how they can either help your brand image or hurt your brand image. So let's jump into the conversation and hear about everything that Angela has to share about helping create a style that helps your business and team thrive. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for the conversation. Yes, yes, me too. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. I feel like we're <laughs> going to provide so much information of value to those listening. But before yes. we get into everything, can you take a few minutes and tell us about yourself and your business? Absolutely. So um, I am a style coach for high achieving uh, petite entrepreneurs and executives who um, have really struggled with being able to represent their personal or their business brand and be highly visible. Um, so many women think that like either you pop out of the womb with this style DNA and you're just born with it, or you're not. And if you're not, then you just have to struggle for the rest of your life when really style like anything else is just a skill that you can learn. So I have a five-step framework that I walk my clients through so they know exactly what to buy, more importantly, not what not to buy, and how to really put together outfits that are flattering and appropriate for whatever situation that they're in. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that is really important. It's like one of those things of like, yeah, you don't always know, like there are some people that are more like fashion conscious and they're, yes. they watch the styles and they know everything because they follow it. And then there's other people that's like, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Like dress me, tell me what to do, help me out because otherwise t-shirt and jeans all the way. Yeah. Well, and you know, and Jamie, like, let's be honest, if that's just not where your interest lies, then like spending a lot of time trying to figure it out when your time could be better spent doing something else is like, come on. I mean, you know, you talk about it on your podcast all the time, like, you know, just because you could figure it out or just because you eventually might one day be good at it doesn't mean you need to do it. So yes. Yes, exactly. And I feel like when you don't, like, I just remember back like in the day watching the episodes of like what not to wear and the people <laughs> on there would be like, oh, when I have like the right things in my closet, it takes just as much time to put on this ugly t-shirt and jeans yes. as this outfit that actually fits my body well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. There was um, a study and it said that the average woman spends four days a year in her closet trying to figure out what to wear. Now, listen, I mean, whether you own a business or an executive and you're just busy with work, whatever, we all have things that we would rather be doing with those four days a year, you know, like, and heck, spend them with your family, pick up a hobby, like you could do all sorts of stuff. So it's just that wasted time that's, you know, we can, we can have more fun with. Yes, yes, exactly. All right. Well, we're here to talk a little bit about style and everything, but not necessarily yes. all about personal style, but bringing it into your business and bringing it into your team. So, yes. you know, it is one of those things where it's like, yes, style and clothing, it's very personal, but also we need to make sure that things move well as a team, whether that means having people be on brands when they need to be on brands, communicating with your employees, what to wear, what not to wear to be appropriate in the office, all those things that really make your business, the business and culture that you want without kind yes. of overstepping and being so dictative about what people wear. Right. Oh my gosh. 
So first of all, Jamie, I love this question. Um, and I actually have a workshop that I teach for small companies and corporate teams all based around this. Because yes, to your point, you want your employees to have enough personal freedom that they feel like they're not constricted. While you're also very aware of, you know, in different team environments, what is the message that I want to relay to potential clients or existing clients, or as the leader, what's the message that I want to send? And I think the number one tip, especially for leaders, is that you get to set the tone. So what does that look like? And then for your employees, making sure that you're being really consistent about it. So if, um, let me tell you about a client that I have. She is a financial advisor for small business owners. And she had made a hire and very talented, like just graduated from college, super talented, tons of potential. And she's like, there's no way that I can let my new employee in front of our clients. Like just sending the wrong message, way too casual, doesn't like instill that feeling of confidence in a potential client to get to sign the contract. So um, especially in this situation where we're talking a high dollar ticket, then, you know, like image becomes even more important. So, um, and, and setting those for a leader, setting those standards from the get-go while you're doing that interview process makes your life so much easier. And it really sets the tone for that, that, you know, the prospective employee or the new hire once you make it, because she knows exactly what you want from her or him or, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, and then that way they can meet your expectations from the get-go, which, you know, that's what they want to do. So um, for the leader having and this is the an exercise that I walk leaders through before we meet with their team is what is the message that you want to send to prospective clients and being really able to articulate that. So whether it's trustworthy or professional, oftentimes, because it's not an exercise that most people do, I really want them to be specific. So, you know, just saying like professional, like let's dig in deeper. And then when you have, when you're able to articulate it, what does that actually look like? So being able to put together a, you know, style board, mood board of that's, this is what this looks like. You know, prospective clients make 11 decisions about us in seven seconds. So when they're looking at, you know, like what it's going to cost to work with you before you've even said a word, before you've even introduced yourself, they've already decided, you know, like, is she worth that much money? Does she really know what she's talking about? Is she an expert in her field and all of that? So that's where, you know, the image and being able to making sure your image is supporting your brand is so incredibly important. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad you kind of went a little bit deeper into that. Cause the first thing is a lot of people are like, I want my team members to dress professional and it's like, but what does professional mean? Mm -hmm. And then one of the things I feel that people then get stuck on is how do I tell someone that what they're yes. wearing is not professional? Because obviously in their minds, they think it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, so much goodness. Right. Right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and so, and I think that's probably a reason why like my dress your brand workshop is so popular because it takes the pressure off the leader, especially for team members who maybe have been with them for a while. And all of a sudden we're stepping up, 
we're, you know, branching out and all of that. It all of a sudden, it's difficult to have that conversation. Like the last two years, you looked fine, but now we're leveling up. And now we all have to step up our image and that type of thing. So it's easier when somebody else has that conversation versus necessarily somebody that you have a really close working relationship with. Um, but yeah, being able to articulate that. And then also just really getting the, the employee or the team members feedback on that. You know, like talk to me about like, you know, when, you know, you were looking for a house or when you were buying a car, did the guy have on like, scrungy cargo shorts and flip-flops or did he you know like did he have a suit on and that type you know like and getting the uh, team member to articulate you know the last time that they spent a large amount of money on an investment or something like that and what would they have felt like if the image had been different so did yeah. that help yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like you brought that up. It's like kind of, you know, think, have people think through their situations and everything. And I think that brings up a really good point as we talk about your brands and everything and the persona you want your brand to give off. It is, it's very different. Like I know you brought up before uh, someone in the financial space. Mm -hmm. I know yes. a lot of people in the financial space do dress business or business formal and things like, and things like that. Cause they're like, we're dealing with a lot of money. People are making huge investments, but then I know other people who work in that space. If they're working for, with clients that are maybe those, those people that are really looking for financial financial advisor for the first time, they have low investments and things like that. And that's their target market. There's a lot of times uh, I would talk to someone. They're like, if I show up in a suit to someone who's looking to invest, maybe their first $2,000 it's that complete disconnect and people don't trust me because they think I'm so far out of their league. And it's like, how do I get onto their level? So I think that's important when you're listening to this is you get to decide what it is and who you are and what your brand style is. Like there's people out there. I know that said, Oh, I used to show up all the time in my business where it was so it wasn't me. And as soon as I started dressing more casual for everything business-wise, I started attracting my idea client like that mm -hmm. because I showed up yeah. as me. Yes. Oh my gosh. So many good things there. So yes, first thing, um, I have a client and she is in IT and IT is traditionally a very casual kind of industry, you know, a lot of like jeans and I just rolled out of bed and all of that. So, you know, she and I really had to work through how do you stand out as an expert and as a team leader, when your team itself is like, you know, you're lucky if they took a shower before they like popped it, you know, popped on Zoom. So I love to tell this, um, it was a study and I can't remember what, um, what university did it, but they call it the red sneaker effect. So they took, have you, have I told you this before? No. no? Okay. No. Gotcha. I love this. This is so good. Okay. So there is a group of 10 guys and they all have on black tuxedos with a black bow tie, except for one. And that one guy has on a red bow tie. And they asked people looking at this group of guys who, like, what were, what, you know, what are your impressions? What are your thoughts on this group? And unanimously, everybody looking at this group said the guy with the red tie was the boss because it was just that one step up, that one little bit piece of like individualization, you know, that made him stand out and everybody just assumed he was in charge. So in those kind of environments where you do need to be more casual than maybe the rest of your industry because you're working with new investors or whatever, 
just stepping it up a tiny little bit can make all the difference. You don't have to come to work in a three-piece suit, but maybe it's, um, you know, like a really nice pair of pants and a button-down shirt and, you know, like a third piece, something else. Um, you know, just, you know, that happy medium that's still going to instill that feeling of authority and expertise to your potential client while still like taking it down a notch from somebody who's, you know, like investing $2,000 versus investing, you know, a million dollars. So that, that happy medium. And once you figure out what your red bow tie is, um, then you can be consistent with it. And then it makes getting dressed so much easier. So did that help? Yes. 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 That definitely okay. does help. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that I have a question about, and I know this is something that I had to address one time as a manager over a team. And I know other people is it's like, okay, so I set the standards. Mm -hmm. This is what to wear. This is the category that wears. But then there comes the problem of maybe fit. So someone is technically wearing all the right things, yeah. but they still look sloppy just based on the way that they select those items or fit. And it's like, how do you go about and address that? Because if you're looking, because if you go to tell them, why maybe they still look sloppy, why they don't look appropriate with their dress. It then come, I think it's that tough thing of like, well, then am I body shaming? Am I telling them like, Hey, you need to do this. You need to show off your figure more. You need to not show off your figure more or things like that, where it's like those things that I think that become harder. It's so much easier to say, okay, in our rules, you can't wear a spaghetti strap tank top. It's okay if shoulders are showing, but the straps need to be so thick or things like this versus that is either too revealing or you just look like you're wearing an oversized shirt. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, that that's so true. When it's a clear um, like breaking of the, you know, the expectation that you've set out, it's so much easier, right? Than somebody just has, you know, like they're missing that, like that style knowledge. Um, so a couple of things and, you know, Jamie, it's, it all depends on, Two, well, two things actually. The first one is, is do you have that kind of relationship with the team member, with your coworker, with your, you know, whoever it is that you can be completely candid, right? So that's the first thing, making sure that there's that, um, that mutual trust going back and forth. First thing. Second thing is, I feel like, and this is with image, this can be with everything, um, any kind of performance metrics is, does it come from a place where you're really caring about the person? Is it just a, I think she looks sloppy or is it, uh, it's actually affecting her performance and the way people perceive her, right? So, and when it really comes from a place of, I want you to be as successful as possible. I am here to support you 100%. Um, what can I do? And so many times, just like everything else, it's not that they're, they're not, they're not not doing it because they don't care. It's just, they don't know. Right. So, you know, what do you need? How can I help type of thing? Okay. I think, I think that puts it a big thing. It's like, okay, well, if you're, let's talk about like the, the team member that maybe they just like to wear everything oversized, you know, and they might be doing it because they're trying to hide certain things in their body and that's what they mm -hmm. feel comfortable in. But right. from that perspective of maybe that you're receiving feedback from other people that they're, they don't seem to be showing up professional and it is receiving as an individual negative feedback and things that you want to address because you want them to succeed and you don't yes. want that, that to hold them back in their career yeah. is, is much yeah. better than you just look sloppy. I need you to change. Like, 
oh my gosh, I know, right? That feels so personal, right? That's like you telling me I don't smell good. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, like that's super personal versus like, Jamie, you really care and you want me to be as good as I possibly can and as successful as I possibly can. Absolutely. So, okay. So one of the other questions I have when it comes to deciding like your style, your brands, your brand style, like what you yeah. want is that kind of office dress and things like that, how we show up mm -hmm. to our clients. Do you see businesses go as far as this is our signature color. You have to always be wearing something in this color. And if so, do you think that is good? Do you think that is too restrictive of employees and everything? And what's your opinion about that? Like when it really right. comes so specific of what they have to show up in. Yeah. So um, when it comes to, because I think most of your list, there is a range, right? There's people who have great big teams and there's ones who have smaller teams. When you are the brand, as you as the CEO, the founder, and all of that, then you do want to make sure that you're representing your brand thesaurus anytime that you're visible, whether that be in front of employees or clients, or you know, you're giving a keynote address or you're doing a book signing, whatever the situation is, you do want to make sure that the way that you dress is reflective of how you want somebody to um, describe your brand. There's going to be people on your team that, I mean, I look at my team, there are team members who don't ever see clients. You know, they may email back and forth. So, you know, like what they wear is not critical from that standpoint. Obviously, because of the group, I mean, my team, even the ones that don't necessarily like, you know, wear the colors or and that type of thing, they still, I mean, we're in style. So there's, you know, they always, I, th I think they always look adorable. But um, so for the, you know, the owner and the founder, I think those colors and all of that, you do need to be super aware of it, especially when you're in a visible situation. In regards to the rest of the team, you know, it it's your business. You are the one that, you know, is responsible for, you know, making the revenue, setting, you know, hitting the goals and all of that. So it's really up to the person. If you have a bunch of creative employees, I find that the more you restrict them, the less creative they're going to be. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and then also like, again, just if they're client facing, uh, you know, and or versus non-client facing, it's going to be a different expectation level. You think about, you know, big companies and their art department, the expectation on that team is going to be super different than the, you know, the sales department that's actually going out and drumming up new business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely okay. think that helps. And like one of the things I was thinking of there is you might have your, your normal dress code and everything for in the office, but it could be, we're going to a conference we're known in our brands for having this super bright pink. That's what everyone thinks of us. They see this color, they think us. So when we go to this conference, it's really important that everybody wears something that is this bright pink. So when they see us walking around, they immediately think of our brands because they see Absolutely. that color. Absolutely. Jamie, it's, you know, it's such a noisy environment right now. Like we're competing against so many people. I mean, you know, none of us are the only ones in our field doing what we do, right? So the competition to get potential clients to recognize us, number one, and then be able to remember our company name. I mean, it takes a lot of impressions for to get to that point. So the more consistent that you and your team's brand image can be, the faster you'll get through, you'll work through that, um, that, that growing stage. Yeah. 
Yes, definitely. Okay. My next question that just came to my mind is, all right, so we're meeting this morning on Zoom. I know 98% of what I do for my business is on Zoom. We're not really meeting a lot in person anymore. Most of our meetings are virtual on camera. What are your suggestions for that more kind of like looking professional dress on camera? Because you're only seeing so much. And I know there's sometimes where I stand in front of the mirror, I'm like, this outfit is great. And then I get in front of the mirror or in front of the camera and I'm just like, well, now that you can only see from a little <laughs> bit past my shoulders up, it looks like I'm wearing pajamas. Like what, what, what do I do here? And yes. so any tips you can give us for that we can like set expectations with our team or with ourselves. So we show up good on zoom. Yes. Because we're only seeing so much of an outfit. Oh my gosh. Yes. So love to talk about this because yes, Jay, to your point, 90% of yours, the same thing with me, right? Like, I, you know, 90% of my business is, you know, on Zoom and a lot of my clients are too. So there's a couple things. Yes, you have to, what, okay. So first things first, what looks good when you're looking at yourself from head to toe in a mirror is not necessarily what's going to look good on camera because to your point, you're only seeing from like maybe the bust up. Mm-hmm. So make sure that that is the most important thing. And then to your point, you can wear, you know, pajama bottoms or yoga pants on the bottom and nobody has to know. Right. Um, so when you're deciding what to wear, I always tell clients, give the person looking at you only one thing to focus on. If you have this loud print blouse and then these chandelier earrings and you're like, hair's great, but it's all over, you know, it's like tousled and beach waves or something like that. That's a lot going on. And it can be super distracting from what the message that you want to relay is. So I always tell my clients when we're going through the, you know, like the representing your brand piece, what is the one thing that you want them to focus on? Obviously your message is number one, but what is the, you know, what's the point of interest? So, and it helps. I mean, you probably at this point, because we've been doing the Zoom thing for a while, we have a pretty good idea of what looks good on Zoom. Zoom and what doesn't. So keep the prints to a minimum, not a ton of contrast between the background and the pattern itself. Solids are always going to be better. Um, And then, you know, find out what is that signature piece that you want to know, be known for from a consistency standpoint. Um, So that's the first thing. And then you didn't ask this, but do you want me to talk about backgrounds a little bit? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Okay, good. I feel super passionate about backgrounds. Again, like when we were all first starting on Zoom, we all looked like we were in prison and like the camera was shooting up our nose, right? Like it was not good. Thankfully, we've gotten so much better. And when you're representing your brand, you really want to make sure that your background represents what you do. So put a little bit of thought into it. Keep it simple. The prettiest real life backgrounds are ones that are simple, um, but have like something pulled together um, to support when you're, you know, when you're representing your brand. So whether that be, I think of a couple of clients that I have just have done, have created a beautiful job. One of them is in analytics. So she's very numbers oriented and she has some beautiful shelves with just the appropriate amount of books and, you know, a couple of fun charts and things like that, but it's clean, but you look at her and you're like, okay, I know exactly what you do. I have, um, I have quite a few interior decorator clients and the backgrounds that they put together once the, the, the awareness is raised is obviously beautiful between the, you know, like the simple vases with the beautiful flowers and that type of thing, but something simple and clean, but supporting what you do and avoid uh, fake 
virtual backgrounds because those can be super distracting. Oh, yes. And I don't know when like half of somebody's head disappears. I'm like, what? What are you saying? I can't like your ha- like your ears gone or your hair's gone. Like it's just it can be really distracting. And nobody nobody believes that you're on the Golden Gate Bridge anyways. So right. Yeah. yeah like there's so many with those fake backgrounds. I'm just like, why? What's the point? Um, and I know there was yeah. a lot of times where people are like, I'm just all of a sudden I have to work from home. I have no choice and I have no place to really work, but my kitchen table. And then you're seeing the mess behind me and then all this stuff. So I understand why people started using them, Yeah, but I do agree. A lot of times they just become so much more distracting because if you don't have a good camera, if your backgrounds, normal backgrounds, not enough, like where they can clearly cut you out from the background It is like, what happened to their hair? What happened to their ear? Where's their shoulder? Where's, (laughs) and it's just like, oh my goodness. I know. It's so distracting. Yes, yes. And a lot of companies, especially larger companies, they'll disperse a virtual background and it has the logo and it has maybe, you know, like um, like a catchphrase or whatever on it. Um, And, but that can be just as bad because you're still dealing with the, um, what's behind them and what are they doing? And, you know, like it just brings up like all sorts of mind chatter that's distracting. So, well, I remember there was one time I was conducting an interview and the candidate, I don't know, I think they were possibly in their garage, um, but with the, with everything, just because of the way, like they had a virtual background, but parts of it kept coming through every yes, once in a while when they yes. would move. And it was like just the shelving and everything. I was like, is that their garage? And then I, I caught myself trying to figure out what yes. was on the shelves behind them on yes. the garage. And I'm just like, is, is that, it's like a, it was like a figurine or something like that. And I'm just like, and so it is super distracting. And if it was yes. just that, like I, yeah, obviously if he's in a place where there's a lot of things in the background, it pro- might've been a little bit distracting as well. But at least at that point in time, it, like if it's just normal, it's just normal. It's just there. But when it keeps popping in and out, it's like, yes, my yes. mind goes there and I'm not listening to you as well as I should be. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent, Jamie. And you think about it think that, think about that, like you're on a sales call with somebody and she's trying to figure out, you know, is that a paint can behind you? And you're trying to say, oh my gosh, this is the good part. This is, this is where you're going to get unbelievable value from working with me. And she's like, I can't, I can't concentrate. So. Right. Right. And yeah. the problem is, is she won't tell you that. Yep. You know, so it'll be a missed opportunity. Yeah. 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 That does bring up a good point. I was also on a call once with a, a client and they had one of those kind of company provided backgrounds and everything. And it was a bunch of pictures and one of the pictures was very interesting. Um, I'll just leave it at that. It was very interesting. And I just remember thinking the whole time, I'm like, do they not see what I see? Like, if, and it was like, like, but it was like the entire, it was so distracting the entire time. I'm just like, whoever put this together, like either was not thinking or wanted that distracting thing back there. Cause I was just like, oh my, oh my goodness. Like, and so it really is. I'm just like, just, just show yes. up as natural yes. as you can. Yes. Like I, yeah, I do understand like every once in a while I'll use the blurred backgrounds because I'm traveling and the only place I can set up, like I know the background behind me is going to be way more distracting than the blur, but, right. but still, yeah. even then I'm just like, okay, when can I get to a spot and turn someplace right. where I can just have a back, like normal, normal backgrounds. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, um, and that's, that brings up another point too, is the whole busy factor. 
you know, when, when you're in a situation where your company does provide a virtual background, making sure that it's not so busy. I mean, like a logo should be sufficient, right? And you can always do the green screen, which makes it a little bit better, but it's still, yeah, authentic yeah. and natural is going to build that no like and trust factor way better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So oh, I feel like this, we've been talking about so much good, good stuff. Oh, good. So, so good. All right. We talked about backgrounds. We talked about yeah. how to address things when your team members are not dressing appropriately. Is there anything else like we should be aware with the dress when it comes to our teams that, that maybe we haven't discussed yet today? So let's think. Um, I think the big thing is, and I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, is that um, even as a leader, if we feel like our personal style is great and we have it nailed down and, you know, probably because we have the resources and the time and, you know, the effort to put into it and all of that, knowing that, you know, no one ever teaches us how to dress. It, you know, we graduate from college and we start our job on Monday, we get a credit card and we go to the mall and we, you know, like we need five outfits right now. Like that's, you know, the desperation that we come to. And so what happens then, and, and then it never really stops. Like we just keep going on that. And as our career grows, you know, we might, might buy nicer things or buy more because we have more disposable income and that type of thing. But nobody ever tells us like, girl, you have got to stay away from those full skirts. Those are not flattering. Like no one ever just comes out and tells us that a lot of times because, you know, like whoever helps us shop or go shopping with us doesn't know that. Um, but knowing that once your team does know how to, you know, the styles are going to flatter their shape, the styles that make sense with your brand and your company message, and then how to pull it all together with accessories and all of that, it's going to make their life so much easier. So we can't just assume that they're not doing it. They just don't know. So the way we didn't know, does that, does that help? Ooh, yes. Yes. That definitely helps. And it, it brought up something that you kind of addressed before, but I think it's super, super important. So I want to circle okay. back with it. It's, you know, when you create this, your brand image, your brand dress, your dress code and everything for your organization, mm -hmm. bringing it into your interview process and everything. So people yes. know, because a yes. lot of people will say it's in my handbook. We'll go over it on day one, but you just said something that is something that I did when I got my very first job is you get that job and you're like, I don't have a wardrobe yet. Let me go out and shop. And I know for my very first job, I went out and bought a wardrobe that then once I showed up in the office was oh. not something I would ever wear like day to day. Like once I saw it, everyone's like, why are you so dressed up? And I'm just like, because I thought I was what everybody to. wears to work every day. Like the little cute, like suits with the yes. skirts and everything. And I'm just yes. like, but this is cute. And it's like, yeah, but at that office, they didn't dress that way and it right. didn't match the brand and it didn't match. So that whole thing of, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is how do you welcome your employees into your brand and everything before their first day? How do you start yes. onboarding them? Yes. And how do you give yes. them information that helps them decide, is this the right place for me before they ever show up on day one, before they ever accept that offer? So I think, you know, talking about that, especially if you have really strict brand dress guidelines, things out of the norm, anything like that, yes. bringing it in part of the interview process, telling people during maybe it's the final interview rounds, this is something that's important to our office. We want to make sure you're aware of it and that you're coming into an environment that you will feel comfortable rather than feeling like I need to completely change who I am to work here. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, okay. So Jamie, I don't know about you. I have read oodles of employee handbooks. I could not tell you one thing that it said, except, you know, like, you know, if you're not going to show up, call in or something, you know what I mean? Like there's very little that you'll re remember from that. And when image is so incredibly important in representing the company brand, it definitely deserves a verbal conversation. And yes, to your point, if whatever the situation is, you can't wear open-toed shoes to the office, even if they're heels, then that needs to be voiced because if that's a problem for the candidate, you want them to know right away and then make a decision moving forward. So I definitely always think that it needs to be to your point at the end and then say, do you have any questions? Do you have any problems with that? Do you have it? And then let them, you know, voice any concerns that they have. But yes, I'm a big advocate of it needs to be a verbal conversation. Right. Yes. Right. And I think it's like one of those things, like you just mentioned open-toed shoes. I have never worked in a business environment where the dress was business formal. So I was going through a leadership program and then some of our seminars and everything, it was business formal. And someone made comment and was like, yeah, we're not like in casually, like no open-toed shoes. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, you know, this stylish pair of pumps that you can just see a little bit of my toe. I'm not allowed to wear that. Like, and, but I had never been in an environment where that was a thing. So I didn't know that. So sometimes yes. it's like, don't assume that people know what it means to dress business formal, business yeah. casual, business, yeah. you know, what it means to dress appropriately if your office attire is just casual. Like, what does that mean? What is yes. appropriate? What is not? Because mm -hmm. people don't know because they've never had to do it before if they've never been taught. Yes, absolutely. So, and especially right now. So number one, I hate like anything, it's like it's casual. Like that's the casual tells me nothing because my casual and your cat and all of that is going to be very, very different. So like try to, with, if you can um, really make the, if the, if you have to define your dress code in a couple of words, try to make it as specific as possible. Right. You know, like stylish casual or whatever the case may be, try to make it as specific possible. Don't hesitate to use pictures and say, this is great. This is not, this is what we see as stylish casual for the office. And then, yeah, especially, I mean, like for us in Florida, somebody tells me I can't wear open-toed shoes. I'm like, what? Like, I'm sorry. I don't own anything else. Part right? of finds not open-toed shoes when yes. you go to the store. <laughs> yes. I mean, unless they're tennis shoes. I'm like, right? I don't know. Yes. Or boots. So, yeah. Uh, right? so yeah, again, very specific. Yeah. And it's those things that we just take for granted because we've been here, done it, you know, and all of that, that the new employee is, it's going to be news to her. So. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's like one of those things, like, especially as, as we're talking fashion, we're talking dress. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are women and they have businesses where it's majority women on their team. So while, yes, we do have to deal with uh, men dress, men's dress occasionally, like probably the majority of people listen to this, it is female dress a lot of times in the office that we, that we are dealing with. And so one of the things that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on is one of the times when someone was explaining, once again, it was for a leadership program, the appropriate dress. I was so offended when they said, ladies, think about what the men have to wear when you're getting dressed. And I was just like, never once have I gone into the store in the ladies department and said, you know what, a man would look good in this. And I'm just like, so I think sometimes we need to think about what we're saying and how we're describing things that it's appropriate for our audience. Like to me, I'm not going to show up in a man's suit, but I don't have to show up in a man's suit to be business formal. 
Right, right. Okay, so I'm like, what does it, are they, was there a point that guys have to put a lot of effort into getting dressed? I'm like, it I've never- that they, they wear suit jacket and ties. So we need to think about that when we decide what to wear. And I'm just like, but women don't wear suit jackets and ties. So I don't right. actually understand what that means. So and never tell me what I have to do because a man does it. And I'm just like, cause that's not a good, that's not a good reason or a good descriptive yeah. descriptor of what I have to do or where. Yes. Uh, no, absolutely. Well, and, and if they would have said it to me, I would have been like, okay, now I'm just confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So right? yes, I think I, and, and you bring up a really good point and I meant to throw it out there earlier. I, and it kind of goes back to that whole thing of if somebody does come to the office and they're not appropriate, or you don't feel like they're living up to their potential and all of that, always tying it into the why, right? Whatever their position is. So if they're in sales or a client facing customer service position, you know, say saying your clients are going to be so much more receptive to what you're saying. They're going to be more willing to buy from you. They're going to, you know, spend more money with you when you know, we show up looking like this. If there's a why behind it, and it's not just us being like a dictator and saying, I don't like denim, so no denim ever in my office, you know, that just becomes a thing of like, well, that's a personal choice of yours versus there's actually a, a result and a benefit for the company when we show up like this. And I think there's most people, especially anybody that we'd actually want to hire cares about the goodness of the company and, you know, the results that they get. So they're going to, that then it's going to make sense to them instead of no open toe shoes because I said so. Right. Right. Which kind of goes along with a lot of things I say all the time when we're setting expectations, because I said, so is not an answer. Like you right. need to help people understand the why behind it, because, yes. you know, because I said, so just makes you seem bossy versus yes. setting appropriate expectations. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think this is so great. Like there's so much great information in here and I hope people feel empowered to set the dress code that it's needed for your office to not yep. feel scared to tell employees what to wear in order to fit into the culture that you're building. Cause that is important as a small business. Like we get, we get to control the culture that we're building yes. and we need to feel empowered to have the conversations that control that culture. Um, so, so Angela, as we go to wrap up, tell everybody yes. how they can get in touch with you. Yes, absolutely. So I have a special free gift for your listeners and um, it is how to make a brilliant first impression and it gets them started. It's the beginning of the Dress Your Brand workshop that we were talking about before. So it gets them started on that whole process. They can go to AngelaFoster.co uh, forward slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E and get access to the workshop. And it's quick. It's, I call it a crash course. It's a quick style guide. It's a 10 minute video and it will get the, their creative juices flowing and really help them not only pin down what they want their brand image guidelines to be, but also their personal ones. So it's fun. Yes. Awesome. That's, that's yes. exciting. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Okay, good. All right. My good, final good. question that I love to ask all my yes. guests, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood yes. out to us. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. Oh my gosh. Um, so I knew that you were going to ask this and it was so hard because I feel like I've been super blessed with the mentors that I've had. Um, however, Lily was my last mentor and we're still dear friends to this day. 
and it, one thing about her, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to say what it, I mean, cause there was so much goodness. She really um, was such a selfless mentor. Really everything was about how can I help you be better? How can I help you be more successful? And that sincere, authentic caring just came through and made such an impact. Honestly, my life would look very, very different had we not run into each other. And I feel so blessed to have her. And it's funny because when you have someone like that, that's what you want to be to your people because you know what an impact and how powerful that was. So it's, yes, if we have a mentor um, that's like that, it's probably the best thing that can happen to our careers. So yes, yes, yes I definitely agree. Like you, you aspire to be like the people that really made a huge impact yes. on you. Yes, absolutely. All right, Angela, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss new episodes. And if your favorite podcast app has the ability, leave a review and let us know what you love about the show. As you wait for the next episode, be sure to follow Growing Your Team on Instagram at growingyourteam or head on over to growingyourteam.com to access more resources and learn how growing your team can support you as you master the art of hiring.